Hello, my beautiful creepsters. This is Chelsea from Kentucky, and you are listening to my two favorite podcasters in the world on A Paranormal Chicks. Da-na-na. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 76. And you just heard an intro, finally, by Chelsea, who, of course, was amazing. Yes, and she thinks we're her favorite people. She thinks. She She knows. She knows. She knows that we know that she knows that we're her favorite people. Mm Mm-hmm. And now y'all know. Chelsea, you did a great job. And if y'all think that y'all can be as cool as Chelsea... Head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast, peruse the tiers, see which one lets you introduce an episode, and click it. All right, let's just jump right in. And I literally say that every Sinister Settings. But let's jump right in. This one is called A Teenage Murderer. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, ladies. Let me just say I absolutely love you guys. You are such a ray of twisted sunshine during these gloomy times. Thanks for all the joy you bring us. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this, but I think I may want to keep the city and state as well as myself anonymous because I am actually really close to the people involved. Absolutely, you can keep anything anonymous that you want to keep anonymous, and we won't say a word, except for to call you a Golden Girls character. Let's go back in time to 2009. I'm socially awkward and have extreme social anxiety, but I managed to acquire an assortment of friends throughout high school. Though I had quite the reputation for myself, hey, I like to party, sue me, insert eye roll. (laughs) I was friends with jocks, to stoners, to the smarty pants kids, you name it, I loved everyone. That was me, I talked to everyone. So at some point, I volunteered to be the water girl for the football team because a couple of my other girlfriends do it, and we have a lot of friends that play. Damn, I should have done that. You ain't gonna stand out in that fucking heat. Well, I could have had a number. Oh my God, I could have had one of those hats. Yeah, that would have really got you the football players. <laughs> Look, it doesn't matter. I can just see their little tushies in uh-huh, those. Oh like, no, God. I can just see that and football pants. Let, let's just be honest. I don't want the football players. I want the coaches. Come on. I, I don't think you'd get them with the hat either. No, you probably could. I become familiar with and pretty close to. I don't know if they meant to change this name or they changed the name, but since I'm not sure, we're going to call him Stan. We smoke weed together on weekends, party at the same houses. I even gave him rides here and there. I end up having a class with Stan our junior year of high school, 2012. During this time, I just don't quite like him. I was so friendly in high school and almost never mean to anyone. I hugged everyone whenever I saw them in the hallways or in class. R.I.P. to being able to hug someone, am I right? Cries in coronavirus. Except Stan. I don't know what it was, but I always made him shake my hand instead. We were friends, though. I take him home from school occasionally and even party with him still. This class we had together was an elective, so there were some sophomores in it with us. I had gotten really close to a couple of the sophomore girls in this class. One of them, we'll call her Victoria, confides in me that she likes Stan and that she wants to date him. I urge her not to and even tell her he creeps me out. Again, I have no reason to feel this way, 
None whatsoever. He was a pretty decent and friendly guy. And again, I considered him my friend. Throughout the rest of our high school years, Stan falls into rougher crowds and starts getting into prescription drugs. I end up leaving that high school and become distant with everyone. A few years after high school, I believe 2017, 18-ish, so more like four or five years after high school, he starts dating one of my really good friends, Andrea. Again, name change. Now, me and this girl have been friends since we were 10 years old. Even though we walked very different paths after high school, we still kept in touch via social media. They seem happy and even have a child together. Then one day, I'm scrolling through Facebook and see the mugshot of Stan and the headline, Valley Man Linked to Gruesome Murder of a Woman in 2012. Guys, 2000 freaking 12? He was only 17. I open up the article and I cannot believe what I'm reading. Not only did he brutally murder this woman, he also raped her. She was going for her morning run when he pulled her off the jogging path, then raped her and beat her to death behind an auto repair shop. An auto repair shop that was almost directly behind our high school. She had multiple facial fractures and suffered a tremendous amount of blood loss. He apparently had to submit DNA for a prior criminal charge conviction, and his DNA matched the DNA left behind in that horrific 2012 cold case. Stands that he blacked out and doesn't remember any of it and just woke up next to her body, then went home. After reading the article, I guess he had turned 18 just a few days before this crime was committed. But still, what the fuck? I still can't wrap my mind around it. He was an overall good kid. Even though I had this weird vibe from him, I would have never pegged him as a rapist and murderer. I immediately recalled all the times I was alone with him. Could any of our fellow classmates been potential victims? What the fuck happened? Now, there's a lot of debate on his innocence, and I have friends that wholeheartedly believe he did not do it. He's still in prison, and although my heart hurts for my friend and their child, I hope he remains there. This is a bit wordy, but I hope I conveyed the story properly. I have a plethora of paranormal experiences I'll send you guys. Send all my love and virtual hugs to you ladies. As always, keep it creepy. Whoa. Holy shit. I wonder what your friends who believe that he's innocent, like, why? Just because they're like, no, I know him. But like, how do, like, how do they reconcile the DNA? Right. And I mean, clearly he's not this amazing law-abiding citizen. If he's got a crime that they're collecting DNA for. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it has to be like a violent crime. Like, a, like they don't just collect everybody's DNA for like a white-collar crime. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I thought maybe it was just felonies. I don't know. And maybe it varies state to state. I want to know what goes through someone's head that gets away with it for that long. And then all of a sudden, it blows up in their face. You Mm -hmm. know? But it's like, you know, he probably just not, like, forgot about it. Because let's just be honest. He's, you know, probably fantasizes about that shit. But, like... Forgot about the potential danger of getting in trouble for that. Like, he got away with it. It's right. done. It's, you know. It's 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, I just want to know what that moment's like when he's like. Fuck. Yeah. And also, if he says he just, like, blacked out and woke up next to the body. Why didn't you say anything? Yeah, if you're really innocent. So, like, again, how do you, if you really believe he's innocent, how do you reconcile those details in your head to be like, no, nah, he didn't do it. Yeah. 
it's crazy. The people you went to high school with and now when you find out they have done stuff or mm-hmm. whatever, you're like, what? You know, like, that's just so-and-so. Mm-hmm. They did that? Like, it's mind-boggling. Well, because you think you know them, but majority of us are completely different people than we were in high school. Yeah. Well, and even still, most of us were acquaintances in high school mm-hmm. at best. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, I knew him. He was a funny guy. He's, you know, whatever. But then it's like, I didn't really. Yeah. I mean, did he call you a home? I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or was it just like, oh, yeah, we have classes together. We party together. You know, right. whatever. Exactly. Oh, it just goes to show you, you don't really know anyone. Mm-mm. Hello, friends. I'm not sure if this is paranormal or true crime. It's sort of both or neither, but I think you'll enjoy it. Back in the day when I was in high school, mid-80s coming at you, we lived in a subdivision that had various green belts running behind some of the houses. Like Karate Kids? That is the only green belt I know, but this is not it. <laughs> um, We need to goog. A few moments later. Okay, so Google helped us. It's land, like surrounding, like urban developments and suburban developments. What did it say? Urban. Okay. One of the two. Not rural. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, it keeps, it keeps it from like unnecessary development so that we keep some, you know, oxygen from trees and shit. Okay. Back to the story since we know what a green belt is. Our house was on a green belt. It was cool because it looked like you were sort of near the woods and didn't have to see your neighbors behind you. Plus, it was fun to wander around in the green belts and often faster and more direct to walk through them to my friend's house than via the winding streets. Oops, tangent. Anyway, we lived on a green belt and my bedroom was at the back of the house. I was sitting on my bed one night doing homework with my mom's dog snoozing beside me. It must have been after 10, which was well past bedtime in my house, let me tell you. I had been focusing on my books, but became aware that something was scratching at my window screen because I noticed that the dog's ears were perked up and he was focused on that window. Silhouetted against the neighbor's patio lights was the shadow of a head. What? I almost swallowed my tongue. I grabbed the dog so he wouldn't bark at the figure and calmly walked out of my room, leaving the door open and the light on so that whoever or whatever it was wouldn't know if I had just gone to the bathroom or was off to do something else. Something else as it happened. I went to my parents' room and told them that something was outside my window, scratching at it, and I could see its silhouette, and that most importantly, the dog had seen and heard it. My stepfather leapt out of bed, grabbed his pistol out of a drawer, yikes, didn't know he had that, and ran outside brandishing it as he rounded the corner of the house to confront, whatever, all in his tidy (laughs) whities I guess I should be grateful that he at least slept in those because the news was all over the bus the next morning that he had been running around in his undies ready to shoot whoever was messing with my window that night. I can only imagine what the chatter would have been if he was out in his bare neckeds. (laughs) I never did find out who had been messing around with my window that night. Whoever it was had cut the screen from one corner diagonally across, further pissing off my stepdad because he had to fix it. No one fessed up to being the creeper, 
and no one told me who'd originally started the story about my stepdad running around in his tidy whities waving his gun around to defend the honor of my window screens. But it still gives me a chuckle to remember it. I hope it does y'all too. Wish I could give y'all a big hug and laugh with you in person. Take care, Lori from Ohio. Well, um, Lori, whoever started that is definitely who did it. Oh, for sure. So I'm going to need them to step forward right now. Right? Why are they being so creepy? Was it like homecoming week or something? Why cut the screen? I mean, that is a waste of valuable property. Do you know how much fucking screens cost? For real. And mosquitoes get in then. Well, I mean, if you leave your window up, but I never open a window. I don't know what fresh air is. And by the time it's time for fresh air, being able to leave your window open and not your air on, there ain't no mosquitoes. Well, that's true. Down here, at least. I bet that was a sight, though, to see your stepdad (laughs) running around with a gun. Also, like, didn't know he had that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, this one is called, I Beat My Boyfriend Every Night. Hey, y'all, I listen to you guys religiously. Monday and Thursday morning, I half-crack my crusty eyes open, fiddle for my phone, and go right to your newest episode. The rest of my friends are not into the paranormal or podcasts, so they don't quite understand the use of calling myself an extra-large pizza or using the term fear fart. (laughs) Thank you for your dedication. (laughs) I've never experienced anything actually paranormal and would probably fear shit if I did. (laughs) But that doesn't stop my love and ever-curiosity for it. My story may be paranormal or maybe I'm losing my marbles. I thought writing it into you guys may give me some insight and definitely give you guys a laugh. I haven't always had a domestic problem. It started probably about three to four years ago. I'm 26 for reference, so this case is pretty odd. I don't actually square up with my boyfriend in our living room. I also don't beat him. Well, I don't mean to or remember half the time. I will start at the beginning. I must have had to get really comfortable with my boyfriend before I let my inner demons show because the first couple of years of living together, there were no problems. Everything kind of crept up on us. Maybe the beginning was the most scary because I could remember things. It would be in the middle of the night, dead asleep, in a blacker-than-black bedroom. I woke up just creeping my eyes open and roll over where I saw a black shadow right next to my bedside. The shadow didn't even equal out to anything, but I could tell it was a man. He was large and more black than the dark abyss that is our bedroom. The outline for some reason makes me think Babadook, but the edges were blurred like a photo you take while moving your camera. I fully woke up screaming, of course. Things continued to where I would start to wake up, roll over, and feel something fully grab around my ankle. A hand tightly squeezed and let go as I pull my feet and my body all the way to the top of the bed where my pillows are. I think that time I stood up on the bed as if there was a mouse below and I peered to the floor. We don't have mice, and even if so, they don't grab your ankles. As years have gone by, I would go through episodes every night for months, and sometimes I would go a month or so with Sleeping Beauty Peace. Things have escalated in more recent times, though. Screaming, jumping, pointing at something in sheer terror. 
From my boyfriend's view, he is sleeping peacefully, and all of a sudden, I'm gasping for air, screaming while squatting on the bed, pointing at something, or jumping onto his side while hitting him to save me from whatever is there. I have no recollection of these days. When he gets around to mentioning it, I usually respond with, well, what was there? What was I pointing at? It's obviously something. What am I seeing? The most recent sightings have been a girl, well, teen size. I woke up in the middle of night and I saw her staring out my window, which you actually can't see out of, but in that position. She had short black hair, a little bit shorter than shoulder length, and wore a black dress with white daisy flowers. She just stood at the window with her back facing me. I knew if I started my usual flip out, my boyfriend would either comfort me or get upset. It's very tolling for him when it happens almost every night. Also, this time I was awake. I was conscious, unlike the times I jump on the bed or jump onto my boyfriend like his chest is a trampoline and have no memory of it. I stared so hard trying to make sure this wasn't like the time that your laundry pile on the chair turns into a demon. I continued staring, becoming more and more scared until I had to blink really hard and tell myself it was not real. When I opened my eyes, she was gone. The next night, yet again, I awoke. Fully aware, but this time my bedroom door was open so I could make out the white rectangle at the edge of my room. Along with a door I have seen every day for the last six years, I could make out the outline of a small boy. I couldn't see features of this boy, and he was completely transparent. Somehow, I can imagine his clothes a suit, but with shorts, even though I couldn't see them. I had to do the same thing as the night before, just blink hard enough until he was gone and tell myself he wasn't real. You may be thinking this is sleep paralysis, but I can move during these sessions. So maybe it's night terrors, except I have spoken to doctors and night terrors are usually in children or could potentially be in adults with past physical or sexual trauma, which I have none. Am I actually seeing something? And if so, why now when I'm 26 and it only happens at night or I don't remember half the time? Are these random onset cases of night terrors, or do I have a wild imagination? Let me know what y'all think. I also don't physically abuse my boyfriend, but that was some good clickbait, wasn't it? Creep it real and don't get scared. Ashley from Albany, New York. I don't even fucking know. I don't know either, but I don't want it. Well, because one, I can't squat on the bed like that. (laughs) I, I couldn't do it. Well, I'd get a Charlie horse. Oh my God, right? And you know what Marley would do? Side-eye me. And you know what Colby would do? What the fuck? That's what he would say. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't need that. I'd I'd break my fucking bed standing up at the head of it. (laughs) That's what would happen. Also, I have totally done that with clothes or Mm -hmm. with, especially like if I'm cleaning or something, you know, once a year. But like I leave... Because, you know, when you clean, you're like, it's all finished. And you're like, I'll just leave the vacuum right here. Mm-hmm. You know. And I, it'll freak me out because I have the vacuum. And then I'll put something on it. Like, oh, I'm going to roll that over there. And I never do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm laying there and I'm like, wait, what is that? But she's seeing different things. Oh, yeah. You know, that's what's so oh, crazy. Yeah. It's like, and okay, the boy that you said with the suit, but it was shorts. I totally pictured the boy from Pollyanna. Whenever he, like, gets adopted at the end and it's like, hi, Pollyanna, look. 
I've never watched that movie. Okay, well. But, like, stuff, like, set in that time, like, Mm -hmm. before the Depression or, like, you know, what's considered, like, the Old West or whatever. Like, the boys in the suit jacket, but shorts. Yeah. With, like, sometimes with the tall socks and sometimes Uh not, you know. So, I mean, he could be old. Yeah, for sure. Young, but old, you know. Yeah. Also, yes, I'm I'm not saying that she was seeing laundry. I'm just saying I have done that before, and it will fuck you up. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'll turn on the light, and I'm like, oh, it's just the vacuum cleaner. You know, turn it back off, and I'm like, but is it? I mean, cleaning is of the devil. It is, and I'm paranoid as fuck. I'm like, but demons and stuff are smart. So they're going to be like, aha, the light's on. It's like Toy Story when they're like, you know, mm-hmm. Andy. And they all like, bleh. Mm-hmm. That's what the vacuum cleaner did. That's why I don't write into Sinister Sightings, because that's mine. Okay, this one is titled, A Shadow Person or My Imagination. Okay, well, hello, Synchronicity. Right? I was going to say, a theme? Hey, Donna and Carrie, you girls are the reason I am sane some days. Here's an event that happened to me many moons ago. Picture it. I'm 18, living at my parents' house, reading a Miss Marple murder mystery book. My parents are asleep upstairs. It's a warm summer night about 12 a.m., All of my family pets are sleeping around me. I'm in the living room, blissfully reading away. Every once in a while, the silence is punctured by a snore or a fart from either a dog or human. (laughs) Suddenly, I feel the urge to look up. And reflected in the mirror that's facing where I sit, I can see a person standing behind me. I stop breathing. Not one of the dogs wake up. This person is wearing a brown hoodie, but where their face is, it's just black. No features, no eyes, but I can feel them staring at me. I quickly turn around to face this thing, and there's nothing there. I catch my breath and try not to panic as I look wildly around me. There's no one in the living room but me and the dogs. After a few minutes of trying to rationalize what I saw, I decide to finish reading. What can I say? It was a good book. In the morning, I tell my family and everyone says it was just the neighborhood kids playing a joke on me. You know, the ones that I've never spoken to and who have never once played a joke on me ever. Yes, seems plausible, said no one. Mm -hmm. I believe I saw a shadow person and I hope that's the only one I ever see. Cheers, an American in New Zealand. Um, and even if it was the neighborhood kids playing a joke on you... Uh, how they get inside the house and stuff. Exactly. And, like, why then? Why now? Why in that way and how they cover their face? Right. And I feel like you seeing it in the reflection of the mirror means something. The next one is called alternate timeline, question mark, cloning, question mark, time travel, question mark. Hello, imaginary friends. (laughs) I've got some stories from demonic infestations to... 10-year-long hauntings, but I need someone to hear this specific one. It's short and sweet. Let me start by saying I have a diagnosed photographic memory. I have vivid memories from as early as three months old and can retell them in such detail that my parents swore I had seen a home video or something until they rewatched old cassette tapes and realized that wasn't the case. That's the exact opposite of Carrie. I mean... And me, honestly. I'm like, childhood? What's that? Did I have one? 
I remember childhood shit, but I can't remember what I did yesterday or what I'm going to do today because I kept thinking that we were recording the main episode today. Yes, she did. Three times, y'all. Three times. I remember nearly every detail of every day. If we had an interaction, I remember it. I could tell you about the games I played in preschool and who my classmates were by name. Poppy Montgomery played in something my mom watched. I think it was Unforgettable, but she had something like this. that She could remember everything, and it was based on a real-life person. Yeah. So imagine how I felt when the following happened. I'm inside a gas station in my hometown picking up a coffee on my way to visit my parents. After getting my coffee situated, I went to stand in line. There were two people ahead of me, and after a few moments, another three accumulated behind me in line. The young man standing in front of me must have caught me in his peripheral vision. He looked about my age, in his 20s. We meet eyes, and his face absolutely lights up. Oh my God, Nicole, how are you? He said with a 100-watt smile. I didn't recognize this guy at all. But no big deal. I decided to play it cool. I offered a smile and a greeting back to him. Well, I must have had an expression on my face that said it all because his response was very specific. He rolled his eyes, let out a laugh, and said, Oh, right, very funny, acting like you don't know me or something. I felt my face get hot. I didn't say anything, but probably stood there with my mouth open like a trout. His facial expression changed from playful to annoyed. His brow furrowed with frustration. Really? In front of all of these people, you're going to act like you don't know me? He said, gesturing towards himself with his hands. I'm sorry, I said empathetically, but I don't know you. His face twisted into something of horror. The people in line around us had started watching, and the cashier even stopped ringing up items. It's me, Nicole. This isn't funny. His face turned red, voice louder, and his eyes welled up with tears. Are you serious right now? He said. I managed to spit out another I'm sorry whilst standing frozen in shock. He abandoned his items on the counter, turned towards the door, and stomped out. I swear on everything I love, I have never met that man before in my life, but he certainly knew me. The way he welled up with tears, the way he acted and sounded, made it seem like we were close friends or romantically involved. I'll never forget those eyes, and I'm still confused to this day. Nicole. What? What? That is creepy. Time travel. For sure. Like that movie About Time. But if he time traveled, he would know he time traveled or no? Yeah, never mind. Yeah, he would. Ooh, I don't know. Some form of glitch in the fucking Matrix. I don't know either. Or he is just a really creepy stalker and... Right. You know, just was like, how have you not seen me watching you this whole time? Right. You know, like, thought y'all had a relationship or something. I don't know. That's weird. See, I have no reason to be paranoid, but that would make me so freaking paranoid. Right. But also, I would just, I don't know, I'd end up talking to that that man for 25 minutes in the freaking gas station. I know, I'd have, like, not. (laughs) Carrie wouldn't have even turned around. I'd have been like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you with my mask on. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie will just have her phone. I'm playing Candy Crush, sorry. 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. Still played. It's a timed, it's a timed level. Sorry, I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> Good to see you. Bye. <laughs> also, Nicole, uh, we need you to write in all those other stories because they sound amazing too. Mm-hmm. And if this one is like the short and sweet one, I'm in for the rides on the other one. Hey, ladies. Love the podcast and you ladies. Thank you for being so interactive with us. It truly makes me love the podcast even more. I have a true crime story from the town I live in. Trigger warning, it involves a child. November 1st, 2016, Victoria and her husband Thomas have an argument before she leaves for work. After she leaves, Thomas is taking a nap and Luna, Victoria's five-year-old daughter, tries to wake him up because she's hungry. This pisses him off, so the motherfucker knocks Luna to the ground, and he gets on top of her and stabs her five fucking times. What? He then takes her body, wraps it in a blanket, and lays her on her bed. He then pours alcohol (gasps) on her and sets her on fire. What? He leaves, and when the firemen get there, they're looking around for her, thinking that she's hiding from the fire. When they finally find her, they pass her out a window and attempt CPR, even though they know she's gone. Her poor mother is there by this point, so they want to show her that they are doing everything they can for this sweet baby angel. They get Victoria to convince Thomas to turn himself in, and he is now serving life in prison. This is such a tragic story, and it broke my heart. I didn't know them personally, but when Luna was born, I was working with her mom's best friend, so I knew of them. Luna also attended the same elementary school as my son. The school has a bench in memory of Luna on the playground now. I've hesitated sending this in because it's so tragic. And sorry it's so long. To everyone listening, hug your babies extra tight. Heather. What in the actual fuck? Like, for something that small and insignificant to set him off like that? Like, I don't give a fuck if you got an argument with her mom before she left for work. Five years old? I mean, that kid could be like, Mom, Mom, Mommy, Mommy, Mama, Mama. I couldn't get him some food. Yeah. I mean, I know it wasn't the mama, but you get the point. Yeah. It was bad enough he knocks her to the ground. And then it's like, and then, and then. And it's like, what, you just had a knife right there? No, you went and got one, which means you knew what the fuck you were doing. Yeah. Like, that's not a heat of the moment type of thing. Right. Wow. Okay, the next one is podcast fodder. Hello, ladies. I should be working right now, but things are kind of slow with the Rona and all. I thought I'd finally jot down a few stories for you. First, let me say I'm not claiming any of these stories to be paranormal, only unexplained. I enjoy listening to otherworldly stories and watching all the ghost hunting shows, but for the most part, I think those shows are just a bunch of goobers scaring themselves. Still, I'm smart enough to know that I don't know everything, and I believe in the possibility of the paranormal, but I have no concrete evidence such things exist. Sometimes the mind plays tricks on you, as my last story will explain. Now that that's out of the way, let's jump into my first story, which is also my creepiest. I grew up in the West Virginia coal fields. When I was six years old, our house burned to the ground. My parents bought a single-wide trailer for us to live in while our new house was being built. The trailer had the typical layout. Enter through the front door into the living room. The right was my bedroom, which I shared with my brother. To the left of the living room was the kitchen 
and a short hallway. My sister's room was the first door on the left, followed by the bathroom, then my parents' bedroom at the end of the hall. One morning, I was laying in bed with my back to the wall. I could smell the breakfast my mother was cooking, and I was being my lazy self and laying in bed until she called for us to come eat. As I said, I had my back to the wall. It was fully daylight, and I felt I was wide awake and certainly not dreaming. Suddenly, I felt a hand on my right shoulder. The fingers felt long and bone thin, and this creepy voice said, You don't get to go. I immediately rolled over towards the wall. Nothing was there. I've told this story now and again through the years, even posting it on paranormal chat boards, asking if anyone else had experienced anything like this. Sadly, the only comments were from internet trolls. I'm 52 years old now, and I can still feel the creepy-ass hand on my shoulder and hear that scratchy, gravelly voice telling me I don't get to go. I have no idea what this was supposed to mean. I wasn't planning on going anywhere that I can remember, and I'm positive I was awake and not dreaming. For now, this story is just sitting in the the what-the-fuck folder of my life. No ghost is going to hold me back from breakfast. Um, does it have waffles? No, pancakes, girl, pancakes. And bacon? And sausage. God, do we not like the same thing? (laughs) No, we don't. And grits? Oh, God, keep all that. Hash brown casserole? Oh, now, okay, now you're speaking my language. (laughs) Story number two. As I said, I grew up in West Virginia where hunting is still a way of life. Every November, during deer season, my friends and I would go to Fork Creek Public Hunting slash Fishing Lands and camp anywhere from a night to two, up to a week at a time. One year, one of my friends was saying that while he was in the woods hunting that day, someone kept throwing rocks at him. We assumed it was another hunter just trying to scare a teenage boy out of his hunting spot. That same trip, I also experienced someone, something, throwing rocks at me. I was sitting on a ridge line and heard something crashing through the trees behind me. I turned around to see a flat rock about the size of a football bouncing out of the trees. It wasn't until the show Finding Bigfoot that I heard someone claim that Bigfoot will sometimes throw rocks towards people in their area. Bigfoot or pissed off hunter. All I know is someone or something hurled a rock at me. Third one. In my 20s, I worked in Charleston, West Virginia, and would travel home at night along a narrow country road. The road had been dirt most of my life, but within the past few years, the state put down tar and gravel. This made it a bit smoother surface for driving, but the road was still so narrow, but in order for two cars to pass, each had to drive off the edge of the road on a little section of flat dirt before the ditch. One night around 6 p.m., I was giving a coworker a ride home. It was winter, so it was pitch black out. As we rounded a curve into a short, straight stretch of the road, I could see headlights of an oncoming car. The car was less than 100 yards away, as most stretches of West Virginia Road are few and far between. As the car approached, I dropped the passenger side wheels off the road so we could pass each other. Suddenly, both headlights of the oncoming car began to bounce up and down. It looked like someone had one of those low-ride cars with the hydraulics on it, making the front end bounce up and down. We watched as the headlights continued to bounce up and down, going all the way across the road, and then down over the riverbank towards the river. I'm not sure at what point we lost sight of the lights, but we were sure we saw them leave the road and start down the riverbank. My coworker and I both thought the car wrecked and went into the river. We stopped and we looked everywhere for the car, but found nothing. 
not even a sign where it went over the riverbank. I have no idea what we saw, but I'm fairly certain it wasn't a car. Story four. I now live and work in North Carolina as a law enforcement officer. One night, my partner and I were riding around town on one of the busier streets when I saw what I can best describe as a baby penguin running through traffic. If you've never seen a baby penguin, what we saw was around 16 inches tall and had light, fuzzy brown hair. We watched as it ran all the way across three lanes of traffic until it finally hit the curb and fell over. It was someone's lost hubcap. The wobble created the perfect optical illusion of some type of two-legged critter running across the street. Had this happened in an area with no curb and the hubcap rolled off the road into the weeds, we would have gone to our grave sure we saw a baby penguin run across the street in eastern North Carolina. Love the podcast. Creep it real and don't get scared. Ted. Oh my goodness at the hubcap. That's great. That is like so some shit I would do with like with the hubcap thing. Now, the rest of your stories are creepy as shit, and I don't want any part of that. Right. But that hubcap shit is funny. Yes. All I could think about when they were talking about the uh, hydraulics in the car was Pimp My Ride. Do you remember that Mm -hmm. MTV? Oh my gosh. They put an aquarium in a car one time. And at least you and your coworker went to see what the car did and stuff, you know, so it wasn't just like, well, we hope, you know, like we couldn't see the car from the road, went, kept going. You know what I mean? Like, wow. And also like, good thing that in a couple of these stories, you had someone with you. Yeah. Because you could be like, no, you fucking saw that, right? (laughs) Yeah. This one's called Sinister Sighting Story from the Way Other Side of the Pond. Good day, chicks. (laughs) Just kidding. Literally, no one in Australia says good day. Womp womp. No. (laughs) (laughs) After listening to you for so long and bugging you in Insta DMs for just as long, I finally think I might have a story to share for Sinister Sightings. It's quite short, but is one of the strangest things to happen to me, so I thought I'd share it in any case. I was working at Kmart when I was 16 in the photo processing lab. Remember those? I'd process 35mm film and have to physically adjust the tone and brightness on each picture, watch them come out of the machine one by one, then pop them in their little paper folders. I loved it. It was my first job and I got to see a lot of things. Oh my god, that is like people watching dream. Right? Also, all I can think about is there was there used to be this Lifetime movie and it was a mom who was a photographer and her, like, this is literally all I remember about it. And her kids were, like, jumping and, like, pillow fighting on her bed. And she was taking pictures of them. But they were in their underwear. And she, when she went and got them developed, whoever, like, was the one developing them turned her in for child porn. I do remember that. That's literally all I can remember about it. I don't know if she got in trouble. Like, it was just a Lifetime movie. And I don't remember whatever happened to her. Yeah. You know? I do remember that. All I can think about is that Robin Williams movie, One Hour Photo. Mm, Never saw it. But RIP to a legend. For real. Then the whole digital thing erupted and customers could bring in old photos and scan them on our machines to make copies. Bless. (laughs) (laughs) 
One older gentleman came in and handed me a photo of an elderly woman. I was young, so I assumed it was his wife. He told me she was very ill and had passed away recently, and he wanted to make copies of this photo for her funeral. I felt so much sympathy for him, so I stood there and chatted to him for a little longer. Eventually, he said, I'm glad they're letting me go to her funeral. Inside voice. Mmm, okay. So I ask, why wouldn't you be able to go? Inside voice. Maybe it won't be that bad. Him. Because I killed her. (gasps) Inside voice. It was that bad. I had to school my expression so much and put all of those years of drama classes to good use. What on earth was I supposed to say to that? At 16. And he's just casually roaming the streets after murdering someone. Tis cool. (laughs) So I ask him what happened because, fuck it, I was knees deep in this conversation, (laughs) so why not? (laughs) He explained that he was her carer and she was in so much pain that he wanted her suffering to go away. Talk about being morally conflicted. I'm now 31, and to this day, I don't know how he did it or whatever happened to him and his case. And honestly, I don't know what I would do if faced with that same decision. Maybe, like, not admit to it being the first step of my grand plan? (laughs) That's my first and only experience with a known murderer, and I'm still a little bit shook. Love you both. Love your accents. Love your laugh. Love your energy. Carrie, it still sounds like blessed, not bless it. I swear y'all, when y'all, all y'all across the pond say it sounds like we're saying blessed, but we're saying bless it, bless it, <laughs> but I totally hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like after, I forget who asked, but after they asked, I was like, I went back and listened. And I was like, oh my God, it totally does sound like we say blessed. Yeah. Keep up the amazing work. Love, KJ. That was like the perfect one to end on. Yeah. Because I killed her. What? Wait, do huh? <laughs> Say that again. Let me back up a little bit. Sorry. Uh, what? <laughs> like, I was like racking my brain like, what could it be? Why wouldn't they let him go? Yeah. And then when he said he killed her, I was like, well, is this a Rose Nyland situation where he's had sex with her and she died? <laughs> Damn. Damn. Y'all, these stories this week were so freaking good. Yeah, loved them. And again, Chelsea did a great job with the intro. Hopefully more to come. Yeah, hopefully it's back to the old, old way. I like the intros. It just gives it a boost. Me too, I love them. All right, send in your intros if you haven't yet and you're supposed to. You know who you are. If you don't get to do an intro and you want to, again, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast and keep sending your stories in, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Oh, and remember, creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared.